A reading from the book of John. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The word of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, yesterday I was having a conversation with Jesus and Anna, two members of St. Stephen's Church in Hollywood, and uh, we were talking about how at St. Stephen's we're relocating and rebuilding uh, our compost bins, our compost operation. And the new compost bins are going to go in the parking lot. Uh, right in front of the church and right in the middle of the garden beds. And Anna asked, why don't we put the new compost bins on the end of the row uh, of different garden beds in the parking lot? Um, because if it's the middle, it, that will be one of the first things that people see uh, when they come to St. Stephen's. And I told Anna that that was exactly uh, what I wanted. I wanted people to see uh, first uh, and foremost as they came to St. Stephen's, the miracle of compost, to see how something new can be made from something old, how something dead can produce new life, and how something discarded and supposedly worthless can be transformed into something precious and valuable. With intention and with purpose, with love and care, we could actually make our composting operation one of the things that people like most about St. Stephen's. A layered, steaming, cooking pile of compost filled with microbes and enzymes and worms, transforming shredded paper, cardboard, dead leaves, rotten produce, kitchen waste, and grass clippings into dark, nutrient-rich sustenance for the plants growing in all around our gardens will not only look beautiful, it will not only smell delicious, but everything we put in the compost will become something new. Such a composting miracle will 
constantly be preaching the good news of how God works in the world, how God works in our lives, and doing that without, as St. Francis suggested, even saying a word. I was reading a little bit about how seeds work recently. And inside every seed is an embryo, apparently. And in that embryo is a vision of a healthy plant and a desire to grow into that vision. And in that embryo is a root which will go down into the ground and a shoot that will grow up into the sky. And inside that little embryo, there is an on and off switch. Every seed has a little on and off mechanism as I understand it. And when you plant a seed into the ground and it's warm enough for days, that mechanism goes on, it gets flipped on. But if the temperature is too cold, the mechanism stays off. And when the switch goes on, the seed takes in water and it miraculously begins to expand and the seed coat is broken and it begins to mature and produce sugar and protein and then comes out the little roots that go down and comes out the little shoots that grow up and the shoots produce fruit which contain more seeds. But in order for any of this amazing process to happen, the seed must first stop being a seed. A seed must die in order for that vision inside it to come to life. The seed dying is not the end of the story, but it is an essential part of the process. When Jesus talked to his followers, he often spoke in parables using the language of agriculture and everyday life. So when he told Andrew and Philip that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. They understood what he was talking about. Yes, they knew what he meant. They had experienced that working in the fields with their own bare hands. They pressed tiny seeds into the dark earth and they marveled at the growth that would spring forth and transform into large green bushy plants that sometimes grew rapidly, sometimes grew wildly. They understood how a large bowl of green olives sitting on their dinner table could with care and intention potentially become a large grove of olive trees bearing within it the seeds of a thousand more groves. Yes, they knew what Jesus was talking about. They had prayed and given thanks for bread, knowing full well that many hands, many small miracles are involved with turning a single grain of wheat into a loaf of bread. But what did all this talk about seeds, all this talk about death and much fruit have to do with Jesus? Surely he was not speaking of his own death, applying this to his own moment, what good could possibly come from that? If Jesus died now, everything, everything that had been started, everything begun would be lost. All the wonderful things uh, that had been launched, the healing, the truth-telling, the radical fellowship, all that would certainly die along with him. Surely he was not speaking of his own death. I can't explain to you the meaning of Jesus's death, either for us or for God. I don't think that there's anything romantic about death, even Jesus's death. But I do believe that scripture shows us that God is always with us in our suffering, even 
unto death. And as Jesus tries to convey to Philip and Andrew that God is able to bring something good, to extract something new and transformed from death, I do not, I do know that death does not have the last word. That I do know. There is this mysterious, subversive, life-giving power that that lays hidden in death, an embryo, a vision of flourishing, a root and a shoot. It is the long-awaited wheat harvest that lay hidden inside a single grain of wheat, inexplicable, unbelievable, glorious. Death is not the last word. Death is not the end. In fact, Jesus demonstrates that when conditions are right, death can even be a wonderful beginning. This last year has been filled with all kinds of death. A tragic, tragic amount of physical death from the pandemic, but there have been other deaths too. Job losses and businesses being closed, school years stolen from our young people and our young adults, people physically cut off from family and friends, churches and synagogues and mosques closed, the loss of hugs and shared meals, the loss of live music and communal prayer, the loss of shared bread and wine, loss upon loss upon loss. My hope for us today is that we see and that we understand and that we embrace how God works in the world, how God works in a grain of wheat, how God works in us. God will take this compost pile of a year and transform it, transform it into something new, into something life-giving, into something that was actually within us all along. Yesterday, on the first day of spring, 30 of us built and planted a community garden at St. Bees in Eagle Rock. And that vision inside all of us became just a little more visible.